This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey. It's a show about the most interesting people and stories of Mississippi. Hey, today our guest will be fiction novelist Dr. Jason Beverly. We'll speak with him about his new novel, Mississippi Revival Roads. Plus, we'll talk about the latest headlines and the weekend roundup. Hey, to be part of the show, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 or you can email us at marshall at mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio, and we'll be right back after the news. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. All right, this is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Happy Monday. It's starting to feel a little bit like fall out there today, but by the end of the week, it's really going to feel like fall. In fact, the cold front that is going to come through the state of Mississippi is it looks like at this point going to protect us from Hurricane Michael, which is a good thing, although we feel for our friends over in Florida because I think they're going to take the brunt of it. Look, we got a great show today. Today our guest is Dr. Jason Beverly. He's a Mississippi author who incorporates the use of tradition, history, urban legends, folklore, and supernatural elements to his stories to provide intimate glimpses into the fictional lives of African Americans in the South And he's in studio today, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about his new novel, Mississippi Revival Roads. And we'll speak with him, uh, speak with our guests also in a minute, too. But Michelle and I have got lots of things to talk about. And, of course, and if you want to talk about something, you can always jump in anytime during the show. 877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. I'm not really sure what state I am in right now. For the last four days, I have woken up in a different state. Not a state of mind. I mean, like, literally, physically a different state. Uh, Friday morning, I was in Dallas, Texas. Uh, Saturday, I was in Mississippi. I ended up going to Columbus and then to Gulf Shores, Alabama. Woke up in Alabama, in Mobile, and then... I'm back here, and I'm going to Oxford tonight. So anyway, uh, needless to say, I think I am here right now in studio, but I've got a lot of miles under the belt. Been quite busy. Tell us about the um, state fair, the Texas State Fair. Yeah, I did the – you know, I was speaking to the Federal Reserve and thanked them for inviting me over to come speak to their big conference. But uh, the night before, a friend of mine, actually, Cassie Gage, who's from here from Mississippi, from Kemper County, she went to Mississippi State. She's the one who uh, hired me. But, I mean, she and her friends, we all went out to the state fair. And I tell you what, I have never seen so many different things fried in my life. It is the <laughs> spiritual home of fried food. So tell me the craziest. Okay. Well, crazy, I don't know. I mean, it's like I had my thing I chose was fried peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And it was fried peanut like peanut butter and jelly, fried sandwiches, and then they squirted grape jelly on top of it and then put powdered sugar on it. So uh-huh. it's like I joked you get a free shot of insulin with it with it because it was just like you could just go <laughs> for all the sugar. They had fried biscuit and gravy. Wow. They had fried spinach. Never heard of that one. No. I mean, I mean I'm surprised they didn't have fried hair. I mean, they had everything that you could get fried. Fried spinach. So fried how spinach. was that um, in a ball? How was that? I, did, did, not, they, I did not inquire. Didn't see it? Because I felt like it was way too healthy. <laughs> you know, but they had, you know, fried Twinkies, fried Oreos. Yeah, they had all the usual was... stuff that usually, and of course, our fair is going on here in mm-hmm. central Mississippi, and I will be judging the Pretty Cow Contest this, yes. this Friday there. For me, when I go to our fair, I get the free biscuit. Uh, the free, they have a free biscuit mm-hmm. you can get every time. That's the thing I look forward to on this. But the, the peanut butter and jelly was fantastic. It was really good. Uh, but I don't eat a lot of food like that. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of wondering, okay, what's what effect is this going to have on me? For Did the it rest have any? No, Did you feel I mean, funny? No, I didn't feel funny. I just okay. felt sleepy. I wanted uh. to go lay down and take a nap. <laughs> but, but it's a huge fair. It's really fun. They've got this giant cowboy named Big Tex. Now, Big Tex burned a few years ago, which was really kind of traumatic. Mm-hmm. But um, Big Tex, you know, so every 30 minutes, you'll be walking past Big Tex and go, howdy. 
Oh my. And you're just like, very creepy, you know, because <laughs> he looks a lot like Woody from Toy Story. Right. I think that's probably what they. Uh-huh. So and we're going into um, to me, you know, I always like seeing the craft things where they have like the the, the candy, the jarred stuff mm-hmm. and the, the, the blue ribbons everywhere. Well, they had a giant head of big text made out of butter. Which I thought was appropriate, wow. considering everything was so unhealthy there mm. on that. But, I mean, it was – I mean, I texted all the pictures of the food to my friends that I run with. I run with a couple cardiologists and you know, some doctors, and I sent it to them, and they're like, oh, we're going to come for it. We're going to come save you. <laughs> we're doing intervention because right. you're going to have a heart attack. But it was really cool. Dallas is just really huge. Yes. And I'd and I'd been there a lot, but I hadn't been there in about three or four years. Holy moly. The traffic, are, though. Oh, the, well, yeah. I mean. The it, traffic alone. The traffic's Dallas. nuts. I mean, everything's under construction. They've got all kinds of stuff going on. Mm. And, and I, you know, I had, I, I Ubered on the way to the airport. I got, from the way from the airport, I got a taxi. It was just how it worked out. And taxi driver was an, was from Iraq, but he had worked with the U.S. military during the war. And because things have gotten so unstable there, he had to leave Iraq because basically he had a price on his head because he had cooperated with the Americans. So he mm-hmm. left. And it was really I, I got like in a 30 minute cab ride. I got like a complete history of Iraq, you know, like wow. 101. It was fascinating. It really was. And um, it was just kind of odd driving down, you know, by George Bush freeway, you know, when I've got an Iraqi that's not real happy about what what went on in Iraq. But it was interesting hearing about that. That was kind of cool. Then, of course, uh, you know, I mean, I I get back home, which was really good. I go up to Columbus. I got to speak to the Mississippi Council of Social Studies. Uh, It's a big fall conference they had at at the Mississippi University for Women. And I'll tell you what was really cool about it. And I had a chance to tell them, I said, you know what? All the stuff that you see going on in the news this week. I mean, last week was a really newsy week. There was a lot of stuff going on. People were all over the map and emotions and so forth going on in our government. And I just told these teachers, I said, you do not understand how important what you're doing is right now. Because Mm. honestly, we as a populace, A, today is the last day you can register to vote. Or tomorrow is, I think. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow is. So excuse me. Yeah, whatever. Just check that because I don't have that down in front of me and my brain's kind of but bottom line is we you know and i wrote a comment about this last week if you're totally frustrated with what's going on there are ways that you can actually do things number one register to vote and go vote Mm -hmm. but if you're going to do it also know who you're voting for know their issues know what they stand for make sure that you're not just because you heard somebody some say something at church or one of your friends say something know what you're talking about that always helps too but also, too, you can get out there and volunteer in your community. There are ways that you can, if you feel helpless with what's going on, you can go do something. Mm-hmm. And also, too, and let's just strip politics away from it. If you notice somebody that's in the room with you that is watching this and they're getting upset, put your politics aside and reach out to the person that's in the room with them, you and figure out, hey, is there anything I can do to help? You know, is there a way I can care? Because I think that's the thing that we're missing right now. And I I was doing my homework last night for my master's class, and they were talking about how, you know, electronic media, people are using it more and more and more to push their political viewpoints. This textbook's like 10 years old. No, (laughs) duh. Okay. Like they they called that. But I also said that if you do not humanize the person that you're talking to, if you dehumanize them, then you can really get nasty very quickly. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we're seeing on social media. You know, a lot of people I know are actually pulling away from social media because they're so sick of getting attacked every time they write something. And it's like, and I don't care personally because that's what I do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm kind of used to it. I had one guy sitting there saying I was closed-minded as he was wiping Kool-Aid off his lips, you know, because (laughs) he... So it's like, I don't really care if they attack me because that's kind of what I do for a living, but... I know a lot of people just like, okay, I don't need this in my life. And maybe that's not a bad thing because if you're not engaged to the screen, mm-hmm. you might be listening to this show. That would be good. Or right. you might actually be engaged with your family. Right. So that was good. And speaking of that, we went down to Alabama because, you know, I wanted to get a little bit more mileage on my car. And my 11-year-old, you know, every time we drive through the tunnel in Mobile, he sees the USS Alabama sitting over there. And, you know, and I had done the campouts with my older sons on it because scouts usually camp out on it, which – that's a really cool experience. But my 11-year-old never has done scouts, and so he just looked at it and said, Dad, I want to go see that. So we're like, you know, hit the brakes, go see the USS Alabama. And it really was fun. And they have done such a good job keeping that ship up. 
you know, I mean, for a ship that's nearly 80 years old, mm. you know, it's just incredible, the, the experience. And uh, just seeing how 2,500 men that were crammed on that boat during World War II, how they lived and how they fought and how some of them died. It was just pretty amazing experience. Mm-hmm. So I am here today. I am speaking today uh, at Bruce Levingston's Honors College class today at 3 o'clock up in Oxford. I'm looking forward to that. So, yeah, on the road. Ah, yeah, busy, you're, busy, yeah, busy. Yeah, you're pretty busy, too. You've got like a sleepover. Oh, deal. yeah. I have a 15-year-old almost. So yeah. first uh, hotel sleepover party with the indoor pool. Oh, wow. And I will let you know if I survive. You won't. If I... <laughs> you're not. You're good. It's nice knowing you. Got your car. I don't know why I'm looking forward to it more than cheese. Mm. I don't know. I just like the, ex- you know, the excitement of the girls and the chatter. And they're like, you're not staying in the room with us, are you? I'm like, what? I turn into a big kid, you know, when I'm around my daughter's friends. Oh, yeah. It's fun. But um, I'm looking forward to her having fun with her friends and turning 15. She thinks that's a rite of passage. Mom, I'm 15. I'm like, okay. <laughs> what's, yeah. what's changed? No, but um, I'm excited for her getting older. And um, Well, you know what that means, too? What? You're getting older. Oh, of course. Just let you know that. I took six 15-year-olds to New Orleans for mm-hmm. a Pelicans game. Yeah, I game. remember. Holy cow. I aged 10 years on that. They, but they were so much fun. They were great kids, and we had a blast. But I was just like, I can't lose one down well, speaking here. Speaking of that, I was 30 when I had Jordan, so every year we'd laugh. I'll be 45. She'll be 15. When she's 16, I'll be 46. And that's how we categorize it. So we laugh at that. I'm like, yeah, when you turn 40, 15, I'll be 45. She's like, wow. Oh, my God. I'm like, that's not old, Jordan. <laughs> Do yeah. I act old? No. Oh, no, no, no. Old it's is a... in the mind. I mean, there's no, I don't think old even exists. What does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. You're ancient. No. <laughs> You're ancient. That's just all there is to it. No, I mean, and it's, I, I was flying back. I was on the flight and the flight attendants and they were super nice. I mean, they really well. And they looked younger than my, my kids. And I was just like going, okay, can I have like the geriatric special back here? Because I just felt ancient. And then I put my headphones on and fell asleep. So it worked wow. out really well. Um, I tell you what, I'm excited about our guest Me today. too. Oh, he's I can't great. I've been sitting here chatting with him. him. Oh, no, he's mm-hmm. good, good guy. See, we only have good people on the show. That's all. That's all we do. We bring the best of Mississippi yeah. to... Now you're talking. Yeah, I think we ought to do the worst of Mississippi. That'd be no. fun. <laughs> Actually have it. Do that for the Halloween show. Oh, wait, wait. The world that. always uh, already does it, so I'm we're here to, to promote Mississippi because we are a wonderful state. Yeah, I'm about to say, mm-hmm. I think Jerry Springer's already got that yeah. show down. I don't, I don't want to be stealing his thunder, to say the least. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to have fiction novelist Dr. Jason Beverly in the studio. This is Now You're Talking here on MPB Think Radio. to a radio? Well, don't worry. MPB Think and Music Radio are available online and on our MPB public media app. It's simple. Just log on to our website at mpbonline.org to get started. This is MPB Think Radio. I'm an artist. I like to paint. I'm a chef. I like to cook. I like to eat. Join us for Palette to Palette this season from Northern Italy. Hey, I'm Robert St. John. Wyatt Waters. And this week on Palette to Palette, we are in Venice. I'll be painting a gondola. And I'm just going to eat. <laughs> so join us Thursday night on Palette to Palette, Season 3. See you there. Palette to Palette, Thursday at 7 on MPB Television. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey. Hey, by the way, you know, it was really appropriate that I went to Columbus this weekend because it was Columbus Day weekend. So there you go. I thought that worked out pretty well. Uh, Many of you have the day off today, and I just want to say lucky. So actually, I did take the day off, although I'm here. So and it was well. Very excited that our guest, he's taken the day off as well. That's how he managed to get here. We have fiction novelist Dr. Jason Beverly in the house. Uh, Jason, welcome to the show. 
thank y'all for having me. Man, thanks for coming up for for navigating Highway Forty Nine. Hey, it was hey, it was a it was a struggle, but hey, we made it. It was a struggle. It you, was a struggle. You every you know what strikes fear on Highway Forty Nine when you see the little sign with the little blinking lights that say the lights about to change. Yeah, they start flashing because yeah. you know, oh, yeah. you're gonna have to stop. Either you're gonna stop or you're gonna go. What you gonna do? I know it because <laughs> you're, you're tempted just to slam on the gas just to try to go as fast as you can. Exactly. So anyway, welcome. You um, you're off from your day job today. Off from a day job today, which uh, is being a dad. Being a dad, a <laughs> husband, a, a, a father, a son, all that good stuff. So. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself because I know you are from Hattiesburg. Yeah. Exactly, Marshall. Uh, born and raised in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Been there my entire life. Uh, did maybe a two-year stint where I lived on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. But other than that, Hattiesburg has always been home for me. Yeah, it really is. It's amazing how much that it has grown. Yes. It's yes. Like, boom. It, it has. And, uh, you know, I'm a graduate of Hattiesburg High School. And, really? Uh, Yes, class of 97. Man. Excellent. Class of 97. Oh, you're, you're just young. Yeah, hey, yeah. I'll, I'll take that as okay, a compliment. Okay, there you go. Uh, but yeah, class of 97, Hasbro High graduate. Um, also went to the University of Southern Mississippi, where I am a three-time graduate. Yeah, uh, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degree. Exactly. Uh, all wow. in a mass comm field. Mass so, comm. Okay, mass, I was going to ask you. Okay. Mass comm journalism, yeah. Yeah, that's just, I, I, I'm envious because I'm trying to get my master's, and you're way ahead of the game on me here, and you're much younger too. So hey, well, I feel like a slacker. Hey, well, now we got that connection with you. We do, so. we do. And but you, I mean, you were you worked with television, radio, and print media. Talk about those jobs. Well, um, during my undergrad at Southern Miss, uh, did an internship at WDAM Television under the uh, guidance of the legendary Mitchell Williams in yeah. the sports department. And so did that for maybe maybe about a year and a half. Uh, my stint in the uh, newspaper industry, uh, when I lived on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, I worked for a small uh, weekly newspaper called the Biloxi Diaboville Press. Okay. So did yeah. that for about two and a half years, did some reporting, editing, and all that good stuff. Basically everything. Everything. When you work for a small paper, you small do everything. Small paper, you do everything, including deliver the paper. You do. So You do. You answer the phone calls. You clean the toilets. Oh, you yeah. Do, yeah. Yeah, but that was great. I mean, I did it too. I did that early on in my career. That was great training. Yes, exactly. So, it, but what got you into working? Because you you've moved on into working in higher education. Uh, I I'm not gonna say it was an accident. <laughs> I call it divine intervention. It was, yeah. I look at it as uh, being by design. Um, when I was working for the newspaper, uh, my wife got a promotion with her job, which means we had to move back to Hattiesburg. Yeah. And so I had to find a job, and so I started working at, at Southern Miss, mm-hmm. and um, I spent a total of 10 years at Southern Miss, and then from there I went to Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, and I've been there for five years. And so uh, thanks to my wife, I ended up in higher education. Yeah. So, yeah. well, one, one of many blessings she's given you along oh, the yes, way. yes, of course. Yeah. I mean, talk about that working with, with the students, because I know you're – uh, you're in the Perkinson campus, correct? Exactly. Yeah, that's. I mean, you really get to see a lot of great. You get to hear a lot of great stories. Exactly. Uh, that's that's one thing I like about the uh, the community college system. I mean, we serve a very specific clientele, um, and that clientele, it, and for the most part, it could be non traditional students. Yeah. Students, working adults who have been out of you know been out of school for a while, and they just want to get back into the education. Field You're looking at me when you it. say that. I noticed. Hey, it's all good, Marshall. Okay. No, nothing but love, man. Okay. Nothing but love. But uh, and we—that's our goal—is to try to get those students to, you know, come back, finish their education, and so they can be able to provide for their families. Right. And and of course you you're in that field. I mean, you're helping them. You're you know, uh, in admissions, correct? Exactly. Yeah. So, like I said, you know, when you're a storyteller, it's kind of neat when you actually get to hear those kind of stories because you never know how that's going to pop back out. Exactly. Let me talk a little bit now. Um, you know, like I said, that's what you do during the day. But you're also the author of three novels. You got Mississippi Revival Roads, The Flying Church of, of Orleans Parish. By the way, greatest title ever, and Ghosts of, of Beauvoir: A Supernatural Journey of Self Discovery. Um, when did you first start writing? Oh, Marshall, I've been writing all my life, man. Um, but in regards to to my first novel, which was Ghosts of Beauvoir. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started that back in around 2001 uh, when I lived on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. <laughs> and at that point, I was working for a small newspaper. And um, the look, uh, the local Biloxi Chamber of Commerce, they were doing like a media tour. And one stop on that media tour was Bovar, which is the uh, <coughs> historic house of former Confederate President Jefferson Davis. 
And uh, I had always, you know, rode by Beauvoir. It had always piqued my interest, but I never thought in a million years I would actually go, you know, visit the place. Uh, but it was a it was a very surreal moment when I went there, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and and if truth be told, it was a it was a creepy environment for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like I was telling Michelle earlier, I've always been a, a a horror movie fan. And so when I got the opportunity to visit uh, Beauvoir, that's the first thing I thought of, you know, frights, fears, as well as the history about the place. And so from that brief experience at Beauvoir, that's how my first novel came about. Isn't that funny how something like that will spark Oh yeah, a whole story. Oh yeah, and then you start coming up with characters, and uh-huh. you start coming up with with scenes and everything else. Is mm-hmm. that how it works for you? It it does. Like uh, in the case of uh, Ghost of Beauvoir, mm-hmm. during that particular time, as you probably remember, uh, Mississippi Mississippi was going through a very controversial uh, time during that moment, and it all had to do with the state flag. Mm-hmm. You know, some folks were advocating for. Okay, let's change the state flag. Some folks, because because of the controversial uh, Confederate emblem on the flag. And so that particular situation that deals with the state flag, that serves as the historical backdrop of Ghosts of Beauvoir. Okay. And so uh, in all my writings, I try to bring some type of historical backdrop into it so we can all kind of relate to it. Right. You um you have a lot of I call it windshield time because you're oh, yeah. you're commuting uh, between oh, yeah. your home and and down to the campus. Mm-hmm. How does that help you as a writer? Because I mean, thanks to technology, I mean, if you get an idea, you could pretty much jot it down. Can't oh you? heck yeah, man! Now, uh, now you're not writing. I'm not writing, yeah. Marshall, while okay. I'm driving. Okay, <laughs> Highway Patrol, you can <laughs> relax. Highway Patrol, me, yes. But uh, one thing I do, um, I don't listen to the radio a lot when I'm driving. Uh, if if I have a like if an idea pop up in my head, I'll just you know say that idea into my phone, and yeah. it'll go to an app that I have on my phone. And when I get home late at night, I'll I'll go ahead and type out my notes, type out those ideas that I came up with. I was going to ask you, you know, as I mean, I've written a little bit, and you write a lot. Um, is there a time of day when you do most of your writing? Because I mean, as I said, you've got kids about the same age as mine and i know how busy your life is uh when you get home you gotta be dad yeah i got i gotta i definitely gotta be dad uh cannot neglect my kids i gotta i gotta be husband can't neglect yeah. my wife as well and so that's, uh, yeah that's true that's that's my priority yeah uh but uh writing is a passion of mine man and so i find the time to do it like i say whether it's late at night or early in the morning i i just find time to get it done yeah fiction um you and i are talking a little bit about that off the air how great it is to write fiction because mm-hmm. you can really speak a lot of truth mm-hmm. in, 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 but people, people like to read fiction. So it kind of dr- brings them into that. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of how you see it? Oh yeah, I yeah. do. I, I look at fiction as, yeah, you can get your point across, uh, but people may not take you as seriously. They may just say, Oh, this is just a story. Just a story. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, just a story. But yeah, I've also got my point across. Right. So yeah, I, you know, I do that too. I hear like, that's just a cartoon. You know, exactly. But, you know, we are in a world now where I think people want to be entertained exactly before they want to be educated. Exactly. So, I mean, I know know, I was teaching a class and Lord knows in how many classes I've taught. If the professor gets up there and just reads from the textbook, I I think I'm out in about 10 seconds. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. So it's like that's the beauty of fiction. Um, How do you come up with your characters and and some of the plots? I mean, that's. Because some of the, I mean, some of the stories are just, I mean, are, are wonderfully complex and, and textured, and it's like your brain's working overtime. It is, and, and character development. I mean, you know this, Marshall. A, a lot of times, character development it, it could arise from uh, from people you know. Yeah, you know. Oh, I, I uh, do that all the time. Yeah, yeah, I love stealing people's lives. Oh yeah, not not saying that any. Of my I write character. about Michelle every day. She just doesn't know. About is that it. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> But not not specifically saying that any of my uh, characters are are based on you know my family and friends. Oh no, uh, no, not no, at all. I, I would never do that. <laughs> but you know that's that's what we do as writers. I mean, we we look at the people around us, you know, and 
and, and their lives and their actions influence us. And, and in a lot of cases, I just pull different aspects of different individuals and I come up with a single character and I just roll with it. I would think your time as a, as a reporter probably really helped you because it taught you how to see. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think my time as a reporter, man, that was one of the most valuable experiences for me as far as me becoming uh, a writer. So, Is there, um, I know that Mark... Twain said, you know, write about what you know, and you know, truth is stranger than fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about some of the plots. And, of course, we've got, we'll get into more into depth and, and into your books. But um, are there any of the plots, like I said, that have, or you just ripped from your life? Or is it just a kind of a, like a gumbo? Yeah, uh, a lot of this stuff is, uh, you know, reminiscent of some of the things I've experienced right. in my life. Um and so, uh, and it could be a lot of the places I visited as far as the different scenes that right. come up in my book. So a lot of things are very uh, personal to me. I'm surprised you just don't write a book called Highway 49. I know it, man. Yeah, my life with construction and stoplights. <laughs> in Highway Patrolman. <laughs> in Highway Patrolman. They are there. I they did are. notice that yesterday. They are. They're out there. And they mean well. <laughs> They're trying to keep us safe. When you sit down, when you come up with an idea and, and you've, you've taken your notes and you start jotting down, how long does it take you to write a novel? Um, maybe eight months to a year. Eight I months can, to a year. I okay. can get it done in eight months to a year. And, uh, I think my first one actually took maybe two years. Uh, the second one, the, the flying church of Orleans parish, maybe right at about a year. Yeah. Uh, but my, my most recent one, Mississippi revival Rose, the one I'm most proud of, I would say Marshall, actually, that took maybe about six or seven months. Really? Yes. I, I just got into it, man. Yeah. And, and once I got into it, I, w- I would just roll and roll and roll until I got it done. When you write a novel, do you sit down and outline where you're going with it? Or do you just say, okay, this these are the characters, this is the situation, this is where I want to end up, and you just take a drive? You know, it, it just depends on the situation. Uh, my most recent one, Mississippi Revival Rose, I actually did an outline for that Did one. you? Yeah. But the first two, I just came up with the characters and just went with it. And you're writing short stories too now. Writing short stories, uh just now getting into this genre called uh called flash fiction. Um and those are short stories that are typically fifteen hundred to two thousand words. Uh I'll be posting my my first short story. It'll be called um Room two fifty five at the White House. I mean, yeah, room two fifty five at the White House Hotel. Uh and it's a horror story and I'll post that on my website, jasonbeverly.com probably next week, uh, and then I also have another one that I'll post maybe a week after that. I'm talking about the editing, the editing process, and I, I, you know, there for a while, I think I wrote a short story every day just to see if I could do it, and really mm-hmm. loved it. I hadn't written one in a while, but how, the editing process, because I know it's impossible to edit yourself. Oh, it is, man. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I use a lot of editing software, or I'll get uh, people who I trust, you yeah. know, who have the credentials and background to do the editing. Kind of helpful to work at a college in that respect, oh, I would yeah, imagine. yeah, exactly. And so I, I definitely um, use a lot of different resources to make sure I put out the best product possible. Um, just as I know a lot of people want to write a novel, they think, hey, you know, I can't do it, but... What what's your advice to them, real quick? I mean, just just sit down and write. Just sit down and write. Yeah. Just sit down and write out your thoughts, and you can format it later. Very good. So. Well, we'll continue this. In fact, we're going to talk about Mississippi Revival Roads in the next segment. We're going to take a quick break, though, and like to continue talking with fiction novelist Dr. Jason Beverly. And if you'd like to speak with him. Well, you can give us a call. Our phone lines are open. It's 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. Don't go far. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. MPBonline.org is the destination for everything Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Catch up on past shows from Think Radio, check out MPB TV or Music Radio, and become a sustaining member, all from one place. Get connected now at MPBonline.org. 
You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Happy Monday and happy Columbus Day. If you got the day off, congratulations. And if you're working, thank you for listening while you're working. Hey, we have fiction novelist Dr. Jason Beverly in the studio. And if you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. Like I said, Jason, um, you 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 revealed something to me during the break. Uh, you're apparently an old pro at radio, and I didn't realize this <laughs> until now. So, um, yeah, yeah tell a, us about that. I did a little stint uh, in the radio industry um, back around 2001 uh, when I worked for the small newspaper on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. That newspaper also had a radio station, so I would produce commercials as well as produce hockey games for the Mississippi Seawolves hockey team. So uh-huh. that was my stand in radio. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we said, you know, just a second ago, if you'd like to call, you can call us at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. And John took us up on it. We got John up in Tupelo with a question for Jason. Hi, John. Welcome to the show. Yep. Ah, oh, dead air. You got to love it. John will be on just a second. John... Okay, Michelle's working on that. We'll get John on just a half second as well. So um, tell us a little bit about your new novel, Mississippi Revival Roads. Mississippi Revival Roads. Um, It starts with uh, the main character named Eddie Sullivan, who is a retired police officer from the Mississippi Delta. Uh, He and his family now resides on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And Eddie gets a phone call from the doctor telling him that the cancer is incurable and that it has spread and that death is imminent. And so with that news in mind, Eddie grabs up his uh, trusty canine baby, which is his dog, and they go on a road trip, a road trip of a a road trip of redemption. And that road trip starts down on the coast, makes stops through Hattiesburg, Starkville, Oxford, all the way on up until the Delta. And they reach their final destination just before death comes and shows up. Oh, wow. Um, that's, I mean, I mean, I loved each place that he went. There was something very specific and special about it because he was trying to, to heal something. Exactly. He couldn't heal the cancer, but he had to heal something he more important. He had to heal something. Um, and like, say, for instance, his son, uh, Evan, yeah. attends the university in Starkville and he visits uh, Evan, and they, you know, reconcile and, and make up their their differences. He uh, visits his daughter Gracie at a cafe in Oxford. She is a student at the university in Oxford, and they make up their differences as well. And he also visits uh, Greenville. He reconnects with his estranged father, and it's just a story of redemption. How did you come up with the storyline? Uh, the storyline itself. I've always wanted to do a story where I showcase different places in Mississippi. I just want people to know that Mississippi has a lot to offer Mm -hmm. and a lot of unique towns. And a part of me felt like this was a way to showcase what all the state has to offer. So did you, um, when you were doing your research, obviously you probably did it from your times traveling up there, but did you like go hit the road too? Uh, I've already visited all those places. Uh, Way back in the day when I worked at Southern Miss, I, I had to do a lot of traveling for, for my uh, job back then. And so I would go to all those places. And and so that's why those places became special to me. Definitely. Um, talk about, I was trying to think here. Of course, your time living in Gulfport, that's why Gulfport was kind of the home base on mm-hmm. that. And you just, I mean, you described very uh, distinctly, he, he lived in a mid-80s ranch-style house. I mean, it sounds like you, you, well, you knew I, a little bit about that. Yeah, I just wanted to be very specific and bring some life, you know, to yeah. each character, each each situation to make the story more realistic. Right. You said that he um, opened up with his wife. What, what was the struggle that he, he revealed to her? Uh, he reveals his alcohol struggles. Oh, really? His struggles with alcohol. And, and I mean, was that causing... Uh, issues between the two of them? It was causing some uh, unspoken issues. Yes. Oh, very good. Well, we've got John now back on the line. John from Tupelo. Hey, John, thank you for calling. What's your question for us hey, today? Hey, Marshall. 
Illinois. Um, Beverly, I lived in Hattiesburg for several years. Uh-huh. Uh, worked at WDAM myself and uh, the mayor's office. Uh, and so good to hear you guys on this morning. Okay. Uh, my question is, uh, talk about that software you use, editing. I'm uh, trying to write myself and a little bit more about the flash fiction and how you get into that and uh, where did you research that about the, the flash fiction and the software. Okay. Uh, John, the, the software itself is just a simple app. I think it's called Notes. Um, and like I say, when I'm driving, I'm just able to speak, and it'll automatically populate in a Notes app. Uh, and then when I get to uh, maybe get back home at night, I'll just go ahead and transcribe all those notes and start writing those ideas out. And in regards to the flash fiction itself, a couple of weeks ago, my publisher, Kellen, Kellen Publishing, they uh, asked me if I would do a flash fiction horror story for Halloween. And I'll be honest, that was my first time ever hearing flash fiction as a genre. Uh, and so I asked a little bit more information about it, and they said, yeah, just, just give us a, a short story, maybe 1,500 to 2,000 words. And I said, oh, okay, I can, I can do that with my eyes closed. And so um, I, I went ahead and wrote the... My first flash, uh, flash fiction story is called uh, Room 255 at the White House Hotel. And like I said, I'll, I'll post that next week. Uh, but yeah, flash fiction, anybody can do it, John. Um, just kind of get like a central plot together. Get maybe one or two characters. You don't want to have too many characters in a story that's only 2,000 words. So maybe just okay. two uh, central characters and just go with it, man. Okay. I, I think I'll try it. Just, okay. Uh, excited about hearing about it and just uh, knowing I probably was around you when you were graduating high school there, my career at WDAM and uh, I was in the area and just probably have met you before and okay. uh, and just good to hear you on the radio. Okay, I appreciate it, John. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks, John. Thanks for the call. John had mentioned, uh, you know, talking about and you had mentioned when you're editing that there was actually a piece of software that you use for the actual editing process. Mm-hmm. What, what, which one? What's that called? Uh, it's called Grammarly. Grammarly. Okay, mm-hmm. Grammarly. Yeah. Grammarly. Yeah, a lot of people use that, yeah. and so uh, it's kind of scary the first time you use it, and you're like, "Ooh, I'm awful." Yeah, I know. It's like, <laughs> oh no, it's like I, I, I need to work on this a little yeah. bit. This is scary. Um, but it, it's it is fun though. I mean, when I was doing I, when I did my book, Fried Chicken and Wine. Um, that was just a compilation of 72 short stories that every day I'd wake up and something would hit me and I'd just sit down and go write about it. And, yeah. and you're right. You can't cram too much into one of those. But a lot of times I would sit there and write one story and I really liked the character. So I'd write another story with them in another one. So after a while it became just a series yeah. and, and people would say, why don't you expand that? So, you know, you might end up finding the seed for your next novel. That, that would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, it sounds like that the, the, the Flash story already sounds pretty intriguing. Yes. So, I mean, there's that, too. And, of course, you could always uh, repurpose all your short stories into a book. Yeah, you have. See, you I'm go. thinking for Bingo. you here. Thanks, I'm thinking man. for that you. No problem. That connection. Um, I was thinking about Mississippi Revival Roads. And, of course, you know, I mean, Eddie has got cancer. And I think anybody who's – and I've thankfully – survived my cancer but i mean i know that when you get that diagnosis you're just kind of like okay I, i've got to do some things differently mm-hmm. on that uh, how did you i mean how did you know about that i mean how did you when you you know i don't think you've had cancer that i know no, of I, but how do you know about that what that's like when you're just, sitting down writing and from that perspective just just research man just yeah. research and just talk to people uh who have gone through difficult situations and uh let, let me preface this by saying uh the book has a twist. It has a major okay. twist. Uh, I can't give it away, but well, no, don't do it, that. It, it definitely has a major twist that that a lot of people will not be expecting in, in regards to the cancer situation. Yeah. So you um, you've always had a fascination with the city of Oxford, and of course that's why you put it in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a little bit why that city is special to you. Uh, just that small town appeal, man. Uh, very historic city. A very beautiful city as well. And uh, like I said, my time at Southern Miss, when I worked there, I did a lot of traveling. And that was one of the areas that I traveled to a lot. Yeah. So that, that area became special to me. As well as the other areas I mentioned in the book, uh, especially the Mississippi Delta. Right. Uh, the Mississippi Delta, I spent a lot of time up there for work. Uh, met a lot of great people uh, who all had very interesting stories. And just meeting those people and and becoming familiar with them and, and their struggles, uh, that that was very special to me as well. I've always uh, told people that 
for me personally, there's two areas where I can really always get a good story. One is the Gulf Coast. The other is the Mississippi Delta. Exactly. It's just something about it because exactly. there's there's so many stories already there. And the Delta is just one of those kind of places where there's just this natural tension that's going on that usually in, in, ends up making for great stories. Um, who, one of the things I thought was really striking about it, and I wish I could show it on the radio, but I can't, uh, but you've got some striking illustrations uh, with the books. And you use uh, an illustrator. Uh, who was your illustrator? Well, believe it or not, I was the illustrator for all three of them. Okay, there you go. Uh, Man's got incredible <laughs> talent here. He's just—he's very modest about it. Just lets these things slip out. Uh, you know, I, I believe that a, a good book cover can really set the tone of whether or not somebody is going to be interested in a product that you're trying to sell. Right. And so those each each cover each illustration, uh, I I played a major role in that. Whether it was actually taking a picture or uh, doing a graphic design with the picture, I was involved in all of that. Really? So you, in, in your spare time, which you have none, uh, you do painting and drawing and all that stuff too? Don't do painting. Okay. Uh, I just, I like taking taking photographs and, and with those photographs, I just add things to them, take some things away from them and, until I get them exactly how I want them. That's the same way I did with my headshot. It's amazing. <laughs> just taking away things and trying to make it pretty, but it didn't really work. Um, do you collaborate with your illustrator? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do. Yeah. Okay, I do. so you do talk to yourself exactly. occasionally. That's good. And of it, a lot of people don't. I mean, I've illustrated my own books, and uh-huh. it's like, and I've illustrated other people's books, mm-hmm. and it's so different when you're doing your own because you're kind of like, well, I kind of know where I'm coming from this. Yeah. You know, it's it's yeah. it's a lot easier. Oh, I yeah. will say that you don't have to read minds as yes, well. Indeed. So, well, I tell you what, Michelle, why don't we take a break? I, I'm I'm feeling like. Um, a good time for one. We're going to take our last break, and when we return, we're going to continue talking with author Dr. Jason Beverly and find out what's next for him. If you have any questions or comments for our guest, you can give us a call like John did earlier at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-6474. Or you can email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. Running a business requires smart decisions every day. Make a good decision for your company today and reach MPB listeners through MPB program underwriting. For more information, go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Now You're Talking with me, Marshall Ramsey, on this beautiful Columbus Day. Hope you're having a great day. Of course, this is MPB Think Radio as well. Hey, we've been talking with fiction novelist Dr. Jason Beverly about his life and his new novel, Mississippi Revival Roads. Um, We also have a caller because you can be part of the show at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-6474. We got Larry on the line from Edwards. Hey, Larry, thanks for calling the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, no problem. What, what's your several, question? Several years ago, I, I wrote a weekly column for a little weekly newspaper uh, called Beyond the Blacktop, and it was stories from my childhood, people that I knew, stories that I'd heard other people tell. And, you know, I changed them around and exaggerated them a little bit, and I guess it was flash fiction because they were real short. But I did this for five years, and then somebody said, well, let's do a book, and so we took some of the best ones and put them together in a book entitled Beyond the Blacktop, and I sold about 2,000 copies, I guess. I self-published it myself, but I, I didn't realize I was ahead of the uh, ahead of my time, but it was so much fun, and I enjoyed it so much, and then all of a sudden, the well went dry after about five years and haven't written anything since, but I really enjoyed that during that time, and so I commend Dr. Beverly for doing what he's doing to keep on doing it. Thank you, Larry. Thank you very much. Man, Larry, thank you so much, and and, and congratulations on the book. And I completely understand on the well running dry thing, too, because, I mean, I wrote like mad for about two years, and then I don't think I've really written another another short story since then. Thank you for having me. Hey, no problem. Thanks for listening, too. So, Larry, I appreciate that. That's true because, you know, it's funny how creativity works. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you ever would you ever worry about that? You ever like wake up one day going, "Oh God, I'm not going to come up with an idea today." I do. I do. That's why I'm trying my best to get all these ideas out of my head now. Right. I mean, that's why I have like maybe I think two different two different novels already in progress 
because I just got to get that stuff out of my head, man. Yeah, and I think um, a lot of people ask me, what do you worry about? I was like, well, do you worry about brushing your teeth? It's like, well, no, I know I'm going to do it because I do it every yeah. day. But, it, you know, it depends on what's going on in your life. It changes exactly. different different times. Sometimes you're more creative than others oh, yeah. on that, too. So it, And it's also like running or exercising because I think the more you do it, the easier it gets. Exactly. So talking about this, your previous, and I love this title, The Flying Church of Orleans Parish. Okay, yes. that would just makes. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I, I'm just kind of curious. I want to find out what's going on here. Okay. Well, tell me a little bit about it. Well, first off, let me tell you how I came up with the title of it. Okay. And the concept, as a matter of fact. Um, when I was a kid, I used to always lean back and forth in my church shoes. Like when we were in church, you yeah. know, when, uh, when my big mama would take all me and my cousins to church, when the choir is singing, I'm getting all into it, I would always lean back and forth in my shoes and then one day, uh, I forgot which one of my cousins or which whoever said it, but they said, Jason, why are you leaning back and forth? You look like you are about to fly. And so from that that little uh, conversation several years ago when I was a kid, that stuck with me. Yeah. And um, that's how I came up with the title, The Flying Church of Orleans Parish. Uh, like I said, this, this book is uh, based in New Orleans. And it's about a reporter named Lincoln Ellison, who has who was actually from New York. It's about a year after Hurricane Katrina has uh, hit New Orleans and the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And this reporter is sent down south to the region to cover the rebuilding efforts um, of that region. And while he's down there, he starts to hear rumors about people flying in a local church. So Lincoln quickly finishes up his reporting assignment so he can investigate those rumors. And in the process of investigating those rumors, uh, he meets uh, a number of different Southern characters. And uh, he meets a young lady that he becomes very smitten with. And he also gets to know more about himself. And he finally has a unique, one-of-a-kind flying experience in the Flying Church of Orleans Parish. So um, I don't want to spoil the book, but what is? can you give us a little hint on the, what his flying experience was? I mean, you say no. Yeah, that's he, yeah I can. I'll give you a little something. something. Okay. Oh, I appreciate he, it. Uh, he takes a, uh, he soars back into his past. Okay. See, there's always a supernatural twist in a lot of your yes, stories. Yes. Well, why uh, is that? Why, I mean, why is that a great storytelling device for you, or how do you? It's just some I've always, uh, I've always enjoyed supernatural elements. Uh, growing up as a kid, me and my sister, that would. Uh, supernatural horror movies were our, were our favorite type of movies. Oh, really? And so I've always enjoyed that. Where some people may find relaxation with eating Oreos and watching a soap opera, I find relaxation in watching a good, cheesy horror movie. Really? Yes. So let me ask you this. Why is it that everybody in the world is telling the main character to leave, but they never do? I never get that. It's so obvious that they're going to get I off. Know, I know. But like, if they, it's like you know, when they hear "get out," it's I, the old Eddie Murphy thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, but but Marshall Fay, hurry up and get out. Then, well, then that's over. The movie. Well, that's so, true. Yeah, I know. Well, I guess that's that's the <laughs> case as well. Uh, Mississippi Revival Roads is hot off the presses now. You're obviously not relaxing. You're going to be going out and signing some books. Yes, uh, we are in the process of uh, scheduling some book signings. And we're going to try to hit the Gulf Coast, the Hattiesburg area, and the Jackson area. Okay. So um, we'll kind of keep everybody, give them a heads up on that one as well. When does the book come out exactly? Uh, the book has already come oh, out. It's out? It's, it's, out. it's okay. out. It's out now. Um, and you can go to my website, jasonbeverly.com, and it'll give you insight as to where all, the, where all the locations you can purchase the book from. Yeah, that's important. i just throw a couple out there, just local bookstores and so forth. Uh, so. We're trying to get them in local bookstores. Right now, they are uh, definitely on Amazon as well as Barnes & Noble's online bookstores. Yeah. And um, you're, you're writing an adventure novel. It's tentatively titled Freeing the Magnolias Along the Railway, the Untrue Story of How the Mississippi River... <laughs> Civil Rights Museum came, came about. I think that'll be a, a pretty good story. Exactly. Yeah, that's not a supernatural one, though. No, it's not, that's not going to be supernatural. More of that Indiana Jones-type feel. That's, okay. That's the direction that I'm taking with that with that book right there. Oh, excellent. That'll be great. Um, how's it coming along? It's coming along. Uh, we are maybe five chapters in right now. Okay. So maybe next year, this time next year, it should be coming out. It should out. be coming out as well. Uh, why, why do you write? 
you know, I, I guess I can look at it as as my therapy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, we all have those moments where we need that therapy. And, and for me, you know, I get these ideas in my head, you know, whether it's something personal that I'm going with, going going through, or if it's something personal that I've dealt with in the past, I got to get that out of my head. Yeah. And for me, the best way to do that is is by writing. Definitely. Right. Um, I, I couldn't agree with you more as well. Uh, where, can find, where can folks find out more about you? Uh, it's your website, obviously. Website, jasonbeverly.com. Uh, very good. And if you have any last words? I would just say uh, I, I, I do want to thank Marshall and, and Michelle uh, for, for giving me this opportunity. There are so many people in my position who, you know, we just need this opportunity to, to let people know that, you know, Mississippi has a lot of talented people. Right. And we have a lot of people who are very artistic, and we just want to get our word out. So I, I definitely thank you all from the bottom of my heart for giving me this opportunity to, to, to do so. So when you were a kid, did you ever think that you would ever sit down and be writing books? Honestly, I didn't. You didn't? I thought I, thought I would be reading them yeah. a lot. Well, that's good. Uh, I mean, that's a good start. <laughs> but as far as me being in a position I am in right now, I I didn't foresee that as a kid. Are, are your kids showing creativity? They are, but, you know, kids are going to be kids. I mean, <laughs> I, as much as I want them to, to be like me, it just ain't happening. It's not happening. Uh oh. So. Uh oh. So now, who are they? Are they more like your wife? Which is that, a good thing, right? Because I mean, they're really good yeah, looking. That, that yeah, that would. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yes. there you go. Yes. Trying to save you here. Yes, love of my life. Yes. Yeah. But uh, you know, they're they're doing their own things right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Mason, my thirteen year old son, you know, he's heavily into sports uh, and and video gaming, and 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 my daughter Morgan, who is nine, she is uh, heavily into singing and and dancing oh, really? and all that stuff. Isn't that cool though? Yeah. See, yeah. that's everybody always asks me. Do your kids draw? My kids don't draw. And uh-huh. I draw, but they don't draw. Exactly. And I'm happy with that yeah. because I cheer what they do. Yeah. I think it's amazing. Yeah. So that's very cool. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to come up here because I know that it's not an easy drive. And um, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day off. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate man, it. Man, thank you coming in. It's very good to meet you as well. And I want to thank, want to thank you for joining us, you the listeners. And also I want to thank fiction novelist Dr. Jason Beverly for coming on up here and speaking with us today. And if you missed any of today's program or want to hear past episodes, you can log on to our website at MP pbonline.org. Now you're talking is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is produced by Michelle McAdoo. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy and join us next week for more Now You're Talking only here on MPB Think Radio.